Isn't God good? You might be here today and you might be going through the pits of hell. But even there, he is with you. God is good. I ask you to remain standing for the reading of the scripture, the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened to you. I think a lot of us get stuck on that because... We feel like it's a strange thing that happened. But the truth is, as God ordained your trial just for you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. This is what I want to key on today. That when his glory is revealed. Not if his glory is revealed. Not perhaps his glory may be revealed. But it says that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. I want to preach this message this morning. There is glory in the trial. There is glory in the trial. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father. Your spirit is in this place, God. This is your precious people, Lord, and this is the word you have laid on my heart, God. And I know, Lord, it's very similar to what Brother French preached this morning, but I know, Lord, it's not a coincidence or an accident of what you are doing, Lord. But I pray, Lord, for understanding and revelation to be released in this place, God. I pray for a deeper understanding, Lord, what it is to go into the places of our trial, God, that we never thought we could go, God. And I am praying, Lord, that you anoint these lips of clay, God, that you minister to every need that is in this place, God. I bind every stronghold and every dominion and power and principality that will come against your will, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we will not leave this place the same way that we walked in today, but that you, Lord, would have your way with us, God. I give you all the praise and I give you all the glory. And I thank you, Lord, for this privilege, Lord, to bring your message that you have been. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. You may take your seats. I want to thank Pastor for the privilege and opportunity to be able to bring the word of God. It is truly a privilege to be able to come and share what God has laid on my heart. And it's something that we need to understand there is glory in every trial that you go through. We don't feel like there's any glory. We don't feel like there's any, anything that can take place or anything good that can happen in our life. I remember the year being 2008. I had been working at a job, a very secure job. Made good income. Position of authority. People were afraid of me. Some of you don't know, I used to be a tax collector for the Department of Treasury. 
I was a Matthew. Had the job for 21 years, and I left that job with health insurance, vacation, sick pay. Because God was leading us into another part of our ministry. In that same year, my daughter fell off a bridge head first. Julia. And I remember the story she told to us that, Dad, I don't know how I grabbed the edge of the bridge. Sister shared with us that she saw my daughter fall head first. I love my daughter, but she's not athletic. Doesn't have the reflexes. I went down to the bottom of that where she fell and where she had fallen into the ravine. It was about a 15 to 20 foot drop. Nothing but rock on the bottom. And she said, Dad, something turned me in the middle of the air. And I caught the edge of the bridge. My mom was diagnosed with cancer in 2008. And she passed away in 2011. And I share these things with you because when we are going through a trial, it looks like there is no hope. Sometimes we think maybe one trial is okay. I can handle it. My daughter fell over and it was eight months of rehab. Twice a week we had to take her. There were things that we saw that God did in the midst of all that. I mean, if I told you, you'd probably be spooked out, but I won't share it with you because some of you probably couldn't handle it. This is true. That God can do things and God can move in the midst of things that we go through in ways that are supernatural that if I had not seen it with my eyes, I wouldn't have believed it myself. We want to know the what of where we're at in our trial. We want to know the why of what we face. But we do miss the what in the trial. Lord, why am I going through this? Lord, why is my mom sick? Why did my daughter fall off a bridge? Why, Lord, why, why, why? But the what is important to God, what he is doing what he's accomplishing, what he's setting up to do. Because the what involves taking us to a place of humility where the glory of God can be revealed in our life. Because it's the link that exists between humility and the glory of God. It's that link that takes us from a place of suffering to a place of glory. And it's hard to understand it. There's an unknown author that says, appetite says, be sensuous, enjoy yourself. Education says, be resourceful, expand yourself. Materialism says, be satisfied, please yourself. Psychology says, be confident, fulfill yourself. Pride says, be superior, promote yourself. Humanism says, be capable, be capable, believe in yourself. But God says, be wise, humble yourself. 
There is glory in your trial. The suffering, did you know that there is a suffering that we go through according to the will of God? <laughs> Read 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to give you some homework for the week. There is suffering according to the will of God. For so many of us, we look and we think that God has somehow made a mistake in what he's doing in our lives. But it's not a mistake what you're facing and it's not a mistake what you're going through in your life presently. It's not a mistake how many trials are hitting you at the same time. It's not a mistake that you're suffering and that you're going through the things that you're experiencing. It is not a mistake what you're facing. Reading that chapter in 1 Peter chapter 4, it compares the suffering of Jesus that he endured in the flesh to us being armed with the same mind as Christ. The suffering serves a purpose. And the Lord warned Israel and he gave them opportunity to, to change. And to, the Bible says in Jeremiah 4, 3, he says to break up the fallow ground. To break up the shallowness of where you're at in your relationship with me. And that fallow ground speaks of a field that is newly cultivated, ready to receive fresh seed in the ground. It is speaking of the heart of men. Israel was given the opportunity to break up the ground themselves or God would break the ground for them. There are times we find ourselves in places in our walk with God that we become shallow in our relationship with him. And I don't care where you're at in your relationship with God, but we can become shallow where we're at with God. I don't care if you're a new convert. I don't care if you've been it for 50 years. We can become shallow in our walk with God. And the reason I say that is because there's times in our life where we know how to dial in living for God. We know how to go through the motions of serving God. We know how to go through the motions of worshiping God. We know how to go through the motions of reading the word of God. I know how to go through the motions of prayer. I know how to go through the motions of serving. And I can do all these things with a shallow heart. I say, how is that possible? Because the shallowness is based upon the relationship that you have with God. In the proximity of where God has you, there are places that God takes you to in your walk with him that don't stay. That God did not call us to walk on a level field to say this is our walk the whole time. That my walk with God is just going to be like this. But our walk with God is constantly ascending closer and closer and closer to God. Too many Christians stay, we preach Acts 2.38, and we preach baptism in the name of Jesus, and we preach being filled with the Holy Ghost, but some of us never get off the place of being baptized and being filled with the Spirit, and our walk with God becomes stagnant because it's shallow. And I'm not trying to mess with people's theology. I'm not trying to put you in a place, well, it's not important. You, know, you, you can't even get in the door if you're not baptized and if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you can't even get in the door. 
But the thing that God was impressing in my life and in my heart and for his people is that we get into a place where our prayer life is dull. Our reading of the word of God is stagnant. Our worship is just they're singing the same songs. And, I mean, they're singing songs up here about being delivered. They're singing songs about having no fear. They're singing songs about, about God moving mountains. They're singing songs about, uh, about, about all these, the greatness and the awesomeness of who God is. And we can come and we can patty cake for Jesus. And we can go through the motions of dancing. And we can go through the motions of worshiping God. And then we get out on a Monday morning and... We're stuck. We're shallow. There's, we don't feel it. If, if, there, if, if there's no praise team singing, we don't feel the presence of God. If, if Sister Sharice isn't tearing it up on, 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 the, on, the, on the verse, man, what's the point? And I, I mean, when Sister Sharice sings, man, she sings. I'm sorry, everybody else, you all sing, but man, Sister Sharice sings. <laughs> I, I, I can't sing like that. <laughs> So I'm just saying, she's been through something. She sings like that. But we get into a place where we get shallow with God and it's stagnant. We say, you know what? I'm not going to come to church anymore because it's the church. I'm not going to come to the house of God anymore. The pastor can't preach anymore. I'm not going to come to the house of God. The praise team has lost its anointing. No, it's not that they've lost their anointing. It's not that they don't have the ability to preach the word of God. It's that you become so shallow in your walk with God, you don't feel anything anymore. You don't feel what you used to feel when you got your chains broken from pornography. You don't feel what you used to feel when you didn't have to go to a drug rehab center and they, you were clean. It isn't the same that when you came out of prison and you were on fire for God, you don't have that same devotion to God. And we become shallow. We become shallow. Even as ministers, we can get into a shallow place because I worship God enough to lift my hands, to worship him, to praise him. To serve him with a zeal and a passion. And there's a dangerous place when God gives us the opportunity. We don't fast like we used to. The only time we fast is when we got to take a lab test that requires it. And then... You're up at 11.59 at night, and you're downing everything in the fridge, and you're just eating, 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 eating. And, man, you're so full, and you feel so sick. You're up another three hours, and you can't sleep because you ate so much. You got to fast till noon the next day, and you're taking all, you're taking the, calor the caloric intake of a, like a month. Oh, I got to fast. And we get into a place in our walk with God. That Jesus is trying to arm us with the mind that he had when he suffered in the flesh. A mind to carry out the will of God in the midst of suffering. 1 Peter 4 states that when we, we who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good. 
God is trying to plant some things inside of us that can't grow in the shallowness of our relationship with him. God's got to go into a deeper place with me because there's gifts in me that need to be birthed that can't be birthed in the same ground that I'm walking today. We have to understand that because as believers, we get into the mode of same place, same thing, same place, same thing, worship, preaching, altar call. We can't even pray five minutes at the altar. We can't pray more than 10 minutes at an altar call. I remember as a kid, we would be at church at six. We would be at church all day long. Don't get me wrong, brother. I don't want to be at church all day long. (laughs) Not because I don't want to. But I remember the altar calls being two and a half hours. I remember the travailing of the spirit of the saints of God who came before me, who stayed at an altar until God spoke to them, until God moved on the situation. And I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fess up. You know, somebody's out here praying. You're looking at your watch, and you're like, "Man, I gotta lock up." You gotta tell him to take it in the car. <laughs> Doesn't brother so and so, sister so and so, know I gotta go here or there? Or... God is trying to plant a seed that is deeper than where you're at right now. God is trying to bring out of us something that he purposed for our lives that can't grow where we're at right now. God wants us to break up that fallow ground in our lives so we can be armed with the same mind to do good before God and minister in the kingdom of God. He wants us to go deeper. But God chooses us for the trial. This is the thing that, as I was meditating and I was thinking on this, reading the scripture, reading it, don't think it's strange concerning the fire trial, as though some strange thing happened to you. We question the purpose of the trial, we question the suffering. We question the suffering we're experiencing in this trial, and God has chosen us specifically for the trial we're facing today. God didn't just choose any man when He took away all His possessions. He didn't choose Job's friends. He didn't choose his other friends that were living down the road. He chose Job. God set him up. He didn't choose just any men to go into the Sea of Galilee and to almost have their ship to be overtaken by water or to sink in the middle of the Galilean Sea. There were plenty of multitudes that were on the banks of the shore that day that were listening to the word of God as he was giving the parables to them. And the Lord says, he tells them to go out into the water. He says, go out, meet you on the other side. Or go out, let's let's send all the boats out, I'll go with you. Pardon me, he went with them. Jesus was asleep in the boat. The problem that we have is that the disciples, you were all afraid and were scared and they were trembling and they didn't know what to do. Wake Jesus up. Doesn't he know we're drowning? 
He didn't take the multitudes in the boat. He didn't take the other people that were trying to get to Jesus. He took 12 men that he had chosen specifically for that trial. Oh, you, you don't, well, no, that wasn't it. He chose men. He chose a woman to have an issue of blood. He chose a man named Lazarus to die. He chose these people, specific people for the trials and the storms to go through because he knew what he was trying to do. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand when my mama died. I didn't understand when we moved. I didn't understand when in 2011, the culmination of everything of my mother passing away on January 30th to get into a place where we closed up a business on February 28th. We lost a house in April. We moved to New York. We gave up a ministry in June. And then we moved cross country in the month of June, late July, with only the clothes on our back. And I know I've shared it before. But I was sharing with my wife, and I remember, I remember walking in the streets of New York with my girls. And they were fascinated by the fireflies that were moving all around because it was summer. It was, it's humid as can be in New York. Hated it. Sorry, if you're from New York, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm actually going to New York in March, but so I didn't hate it enough not to go back to it. But I remember my family walking, and they were so mesmerized by the fireflies. And I was walking about 15 feet behind them, and I was crying. I was crying before God, Brother Foster. Because I said, I don't understand this. I don't understand this, God. But he chose me for that trial. He chose you for that trial. Because we want to get out of it, and God says, no, I chose you for the trial. I have a family member right now. Her husband has left. He's out, and he's living in the world, and he's drinking. He's doing everything he can do. A son who no longer wants to serve God. She can't pay the mortgage anymore. She's at a place of breaking we were sitting down just this past, past week, and we were talking with her just to encourage her and just praying with her. And just she shared with us, you know, she goes, you know what? She goes, I got my giving statement this year. I didn't have my husband's income. And I've given more to God this last year in my tithes and offering than I have in any other year in my life. Hold on, I'm not, now I'm not going in tithes and offerings, so don't think Brother John's going to preach on tithes and offerings. I'm not there. This is the blessing. She says, and I'm still in my house. I'm still living for God. My other kids are still serving the Lord. She's going through hell right now. But God chose her for that trial. Don't think it's strange concerning your fiery trial as though some strange thing happened to you. Because not just anyone could go through what you're facing today. The second thing about finding that glory is that humility is birthed in suffering. 
You, there, there are so many things we can fake in God. You can fake prayer. You can fake worship. You can fake serving. You can fake loving people. I mean, you can love somebody, I'll be all sweet, and in the next minute you're, you're bitter, you're angry, two-faced. We can fake it. But there's one thing that we cannot fake. You can try to fake humility, but you can see through it. You can't fake humility before God. Job had walked in righteousness and he feared the Lord. But yet when he lost everything and wanted to hear from the Lord the why and the what of his situation, the Lord confronted Job, and when the Lord finished questioning him, the only response from Job came from a place where he was not proud, came from a place that he was not arrogant, came from a place where he expressed himself with a spirit of humility and submission. He said in Job 42, 6, Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. He was telling God, I'm not worthy to stand before you. I'm not worthy to be in your presence. I'm not worthy to be in front of you, almighty God. He had just lost his children. He lost his income. He lost his possessions. He lost his health. Side note on this is that one of us don't realize is that the devil didn't know what to do with a man like Job because after chapter 2 of Job, you don't find any more mention of, of the devil in, the, in, that, in that book. Because the devil didn't know what to do with a person who thanked and worshiped God. I'm sorry, I'm on, I'm on my notes. The devil does not know what to do with you when you thank and worship God. I said it last week in my preaching, I said, the first reaction that Job had when everything happened in his life, he says, I will worship the Lord and bless his name. That was his first response. It wasn't like, oh, I lost my kids. or Oh, I lost my baby girl. Oh, and I'm not saying he wasn't hurting. I'm not saying he wasn't grieving. I'm not saying he didn't have emotion. But his first response was to worship the Lord and to bless his name. And the truth of it, the devil doesn't know what to do with a person that worships God and blesses his name when you're going through the pit of hell. He doesn't know how to react to a person that is able to come into the house of God and dance in the presence of the Lord and lift up their hands and worship God and thank him for his goodness. The devil says, what more can I do? I don't know what to do anymore. You, you, you want to send the devil in a spin? Just start to worship and to praise the Lord. You want to send the devil running? Start to worship and bless the name of God. Sorry, let me get back to my notes. 
We might think that we've been humbled. We might think that we're at the place of breaking. We might think we're there. God, I'm, I'm, I'm broken as much as possible. But God allows us to get a place where the, we acknowledge we can't change the situation. To a place where we don't know what to do. A place where humility is truly birthed. It's a place where we don't have the answers. It's the place where we don't know what to do. A place where we're no longer proud or arrogant. A place where we express ourselves with a spirit of submission. Why is humility so important to God? I'm running out of time here, but I'm going to get going. Humility is so important because in James 4.10 it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. That word humble means to confess our littleness and our unworthiness in the sight of God. It takes us to a place where there's no dignity. There's no dignity in how we come before him. It makes friends get up on a roof and tear the roof off to lower their friend down in the presence of Jesus because there was no more dignity left. They had to get to Jesus. It makes a woman with an issue of blood who had spent all her money, had no hope anymore to crawl on the ground in the streets of the city just to touch the hem of his garment. Humility is not dignified. Humility isn't something, oh, well, I'm humble. Humility is ugly. Humility is when, that, when all that stuff's coming out of your nose and it just doesn't matter. Humility doesn't care what other people think or what other people say, how I'm approaching God. Humility doesn't care that nobody else wants to be by me or doesn't want to acknowledge what I'm going through, but God will still acknowledge me because I'm coming in a place where I'm undignified in my approach to God. It gets to a place where the gossip doesn't matter anymore. It gets to a place where it doesn't matter what people say about you or your family. I don't care. I don't care. Talk all you want. Because I'm trying to find Jesus. You're not going to save me. Your gossip ain't going to change me. Your gossip ain't going to help me. But I know a man named Jesus Christ that if I can just get a hold of him, if I can just get in the presence of God, if I can just get a little bit closer to him, I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to get a hold of Jesus. Humility is not dignified. It's the place that we're most obedient. It's the place that we're most thankful. It's the place where worship flows more freely. Philippians 2.8 says, and being found in appearance as, man, as a man, he, Jesus, the man, humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Here was the king of majesty coming in the likeness of man. This is the king who created the heavens and the earth. This is the king who created all things. He humbled himself to the point of death. He gave himself up because he knew the glory that was about to be revealed on the third day. God wants us to do all the things with this mindset, the basis of how we're to live for God. We want God to lift us up out of the trial, but we have to have genuine humility, undignified and not proud of how we approach him. 
Some of you are going through financial stresses and don't tell anybody what we're going through. Don't say a word to the brothers. I don't, I don't understand. I'm sorry. Me and my wife, we have disagreements sometimes. And, this is where we have to, and I, say, I say, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people know about me. I'm at the point, I don't care. And it's not because I don't care about what you think or what you do. But I'm at a place right now that only God can help me. I'm at a place right now, I don't care if you think I'm poor, if you think I don't have anything, or you think I don't go through the pit of hell, or you think that, oh, or you want to be like the friends of Job, and you want to break down the commentary of why I'm suffering what I'm suffering, and you want to give the commentary of why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't care. Because God has taken me to a place where he wants his glory to be revealed. It's a place where nothing inhibits our relationship with our creator. Musicians, you can come up. I know I'm running, running a little bit long here. The glory of God is revealed. The glory of God is revealed. We find ourselves and God's glory is in the trial. This is the thing that I, when I was studying this, it was like God, it was a word and I had read that scripture. I've read the scripture so many times. Rejoice when you go through sufferings. That when his glory is revealed. I said, what? What? It was like a, the Lord said, yes, John, there's glory in every trial. <laughs> Before you got in to where you were at, the glory was already in the trial. <laughs> How did you hear me? Before you had no money in your bank account, the check and the person sending it was already being ministered to God. Before you had no car and God was already working on the person to give you the car that you needed to drive. Before... I got into the place where my marriage was almost about to end in divorce. God already had the place where the glory was going to be revealed. <laughs> you see, that word rejoice in your sufferings means to be glad to saying farewell. <laughs> Think about this. Your suffering... too prideful and you see it bye bye wouldn't want to be you see you later trial I'm rejoicing I'm glad that I'm saying goodbye to this trial and it's in that place where I can get with God that when I am completely broken before God that I can trust him because I can't trust my education. I can't trust my ability. I can't trust my knowledge. I can't trust my understanding. I can't trust my strength. I can't trust family. I can't trust anybody. But there is one person who has never lost. There is one person who has overcome the world. There is one person that has conquered death and hell. You can stay. I, I, I'm done preaching. This is, this is the place to make the altar call. 
Because too many of us are, we, we wonder, well, why, Brother Garcia, am I not seeing the glory revealed? Because you're not doing the will of God through the suffering. You stop coming to church because you're suffering. You criticize men of God because you're suffering. You criticize the brethren because you're suffering. But when I get to a place and I understand that suffering is the will of God in my life, and it sounds so stupid, doesn't it? I mean, when you say it, suffering is the will of God. I said, what, Lord? He says, because you can do good when you're humble. You know, John, you can serve a lot better when you're humble. You know when true humility is in your life, when we operate from a place of humility, there is peace and there's accord in the brethren. Do you know that there's love that flows freely between one another? That I, can, I don't think so highly as I ought to think of myself. That I put the needs of my brothers before my own needs. Scripture. God is telling somebody this, this morning, there is glory in your trial. But the answer and the question to you this morning is have I let him break up the fallow ground? Have I let God take me to the place where I don't care what anybody thinks anymore? invite you this morning because some of you need to go deeper. The glory of God is there, but you need to go deeper. You're struggling with what you're going through and the enemy is attacking your mind and God is trying to get you to a place of brokenness and contrition. Who wants to find the glory in their trial this morning? Who wants to find it? Because it's there, but you're going to have to go deeper. You're going to have to come to an altar. You're going to have to spend hours in prayer. You're going to have to spend time fasting and seeking. You're going to have to spend time pursuing the kingdom of God. Where I've got to find it. 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 Who wants to find that glory? This morning, I want to open up these altars and invite you today. Don't let the enemy tell you. I don't, you got to get to the place. I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say about me if I go to the altar. I don't care. I need a word. I need a touch. I need a move. I need a breaking. I need the glory of God to be revealed in my finances. I need the glory of God to be revealed in my body. I need the glory of God to be revealed in my marriage. I need the glory of God to be revealed in my lost son and daughter. I need the glory of God to be revealed in my jobless situation. I need the glory of God to be revealed in backed up mortgage payments and rent payments. I need the glory of God to provide for the food on the table. I need the glory of God to be shown in the midst of where I'm at today. The glory's there. The glory's there. God has not forgotten about you. God has not given up on you. 
but you got to open up that heart. You got to open up the soul and the mind. You got to open up your spirit and say, God, I can't do it. I can't do this anymore, Lord. I'm scared, Lord. I'm, I don't know what to do, Lord. I'm speechless. God, this sickness is ravaging me. I don't know what to do. Oh, God, let your spirit, Lord, flow in this place today. Let your anointing flow in this place today, God. There is glory in the midst of our trial, God. It's there. Lead me to that place, God. Lead me to the place of humility. Holorika shatalaria bashat. 